Amen. 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 Give the Lord a praise. Come on. Amen. I appreciate uh, our worship leaders, you know. Uh, for some people, it takes three or four or five or six songs to get into the presence of God, but we got some anointed worship leaders. Get us in right now. Get our hearts ready for, uh, for a time of worship. Amen? You have your Bibles tonight? Good, good. Uh, we're going to take a look at uh, a few things. I'll give you a heads up. Um, I had shared with you, I think, last week that to write down questions, other things that you may want to ask about that every now and again I might review a little bit and uh, field some questions, have a discussion. We're going to do that a little bit later on uh, this evening. Um, we have a video that we're going to watch here in just a couple of minutes um, that, well, if it doesn't shake you up, you're dead. So... Uh, let me just get a quick review, and then we're going to get into the meat of what this evening is all about. In lesson one, uh, I, we all spoke a declaration together. Does anybody remember what that declaration is? Then all, let's all stand up. Come on, let's all stand up. Let's do it. Put your hand on your heart. You ready? Jesus is coming back for me. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. That was one of the very first things that we did. I wanted you to begin to make that declaration. And I don't need to see a show of hands, but I wonder how many of us have been kind of saying that every day, that at some point in your day, in your prayer time or whatever, that you're saying, Jesus is coming back for me. Or as I often do when I'm sitting out on my front porch in the morning, 714s, I'll look to the east, actually, I'll say, come, Lord Jesus, come, right? And so that's something to do. Uh, that will uh, begin to kind of plant that in your heart. I wanted, us, I wanted to start this whole end times discussion off with you having a recognition that Jesus is coming back for you. Amen? Amen. And so in lesson one, we also really spent a lot of time about talking about the importance of making ourselves ready, cleanse ourselves, wash our garments was one of the topics that we had talked about and that we have a role to play in being ready for the coming of the Lord. Amen? In uh, our lesson last week, I gave you four signs of his return. Four signs that aren't your normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill, end-time signs. You know, rumors of wars and, and pestilence and earthquakes and famines and all those things, which we're going to discuss that. But I shared with you that one of the first signs of the Lord's coming is the removal of the moral uh, absolutes, removal of the Ten Commandments, begins to denigrate the moral absolutes in our society, and once the moral absolutes in our society is completely washed down, it'll open the door for the Antichrist to make his entry. That was last week. We also talked about the second sign is the widespread acceptance of homosexuality. Or we could actually even say the widespread acceptance of sexual sin. I am just appalled at the sexual sin that is in our country. There was a uh, YouTube the, uh, the other day about some college students that were actually saying that pedophilia is not a bad thing. It's just another uh, a sexual orientation. 
And we should be, I mean, come on. Let me tell you what, if, when you get to the point in a society where they begin to say that pedophilia is an accepted sexual orientation, can I help you with something? Lawlessness has laid in and moral absolutes are out the window. And, and you need to understand this is one of the telltale signs of the coming of the Antichrist is the moral absolutes. The next thing was the rise of false teachers and uh, watching out for false teachers. And Yes, I did have a couple people grab me after church and go, I want names! And I went, no, I'm not giving you any names. It's not going to happen. But uh, the rise of false teachers. What I did warn you is to be careful about, about listening to multiple voices. You can have too many voices in your life. You can even have too many good voices in your life because not all are always going to say the same thing. And then that will lead to possible confusion in your life, going, well, I'll flip a coin on, come on, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I have one or, I have one or two different voices in my life, spiritually, that I listen to. Otherwise, I don't, I don't want a lot. I want to hear the Holy Spirit. Can I get a better amen from somebody? All right? And then the last one of the top four signs to let you know he's coming is the church, that churches and ministries that were once on fire for God have grown cold and are now just cold, dead institutions. They've, they've taken on a form of godliness, but there's no power. There's no power in that church whatsoever to actually make a serious life change in them that's lasting. Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do the, any of this by religious... Um, traditions. Matter of fact, that's the worst thing that we can do is to try to make it to heaven somehow on religious uh, traditions. We can't do it. So those were the first two weeks. Now, obviously, there was a lot more said in those two weeks than the brief little snippet that I gave you. Those uh, uh, YouTubes are still available online for you to go and check that out. Um, So I want to begin to kind of set the stage for tonight, okay? A lot has happened in me um, since around late February, March, late January, early February, more in March when all this began to take place, the COVID-19 and all of the different things that were coming down the pikes. Um, I watched it all through a lens of, hmm, I wonder what this means. There was never a moment at any time that I had a lens of fear or trepidation or worry or any of that, Uh, panic, hysteria, but it was more, okay, what's happening now? And I had this sense, these are simply uh, dress rehearsals for the coming of the Lord and the things that have to play, take place for the Antichrist to uh, step into the stage. And the Lord can't come until the Antichrist steps into the stage according to the Word of God. And so I went through that whole thing. And even and if you remember, even in January, it was when I, it was sometime in January, I think I said to Corey in one of our staff meetings, I said, I think I'm supposed to do a midweek service. And then just left it there, you know? It was like. A, like a week or so later or something, I think, I don't know, I feel like I'm supposed to do a midweek service, but I couldn't really land. It was sort of like the airplane that couldn't find the landing strip, you know, so I was just circling the airport, 
until the lights came on, and they came on uh, in this season that we're doing this now. I got up on Sunday morning, and I'm just giving you this snippet right now to kind of share with you where I'm at with this and why it's possible you may note some differences in me. There's There's a new mandate and anointing upon my life, and I recognize that just since Sunday, quite frankly. Um, I mean, it's been around for a while, but sometimes you don't put a label on certain things, you know what I mean? You don't identify certain things until the light goes off or whatever. And it was early, early Sunday morning. I was just getting up, just getting up. And uh, the very first thought that went through my head as I got up was an old Integrity Hosanna song probably from 1983 or 86 or something like that. And I hadn't heard or sung this song since 1983 or 1986, one of the two. And literally, this is what happened in my head. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Now, I'm not being dramatic right now. I'm saying that's exactly what happened in my head first thing in the morning. And it was almost as the Lord was saying, I'm anointing you to proclaim my coming, and I'm anointing you to prepare the people for my coming. Don't be afraid to say what you got to say. Don't back up from the things that you got to say because I'm coming. I'm coming, and it's going to take heralds that are brave enough to say what has to be said no matter what, no matter what. And so there's a part of me that's changing internally and that I know that God has put a mandate, an anointing upon my life to proclaim the coming of the Lord and to tell the truth as I know it. I can't tell your truth. I can't tell some other preacher's truth. I will tell the truth as I feel that it has been revealed into my heart. You have to take that then and do with it what you want to do. I'm not here to indoctrinate you to my point of view. Are you with me? I have the amazing honor to be able to share with you my point of view, but in no way, shape, or manner am I saying to you, you better believe like I am or you're going to hell. You will never hear anything so absurd from me. And I'm still a believer that at Uh, that diversity is the mother of creation, that we have to have diversity among us. There's people that have different theological points of view. And the only time that we'll spit in the face of diversity is when theological points of view that are inarguable become points of contention. For example, Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. You come in here and say, that ain't true, you're probably going to need to go somewhere else kind of thing. You know what I mean? Or get revelation. Or come in here and say, the virgin birth is a lie. My point being, there are certain doctrinal truths that we know to be fundamental uh, tenets of faith. To us, they're heaven or hell issues, right? But when the rapture happens, is not a heaven or hell issue, We won't let those kinds of things separate us and divide us in any way, shape, or manner. And I looked it up, actually, it's in Joel chapter 2, verse 1, and in Joel chapter 2, verse 1, it says, guess what? Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm in my holy mountain. 
And no, I don't expect that we'll be singing that song in church. But it, because it was a moment for me. And you know how robust I just sang it a moment ago? That's how it went off in my head. That's why I know that God was doing something in me. I believe he's anointing me to proclaim his coming and to prepare his saints. There will be some that will hear the message and, and follow. There will be some that will reject the message and either leave or fight, fight or flight. Um, I pray we don't lose anyone along the way. Pastor Barkley taught me a long time ago, when you begin to do something different, you will try to do that, Rick, and lose as few people as possible along the way. And so I will be proclaiming some stuff to you all that likely will upset you. Please know, and I've said this a hundred times, I don't ever hit this pulpit with the intent, I'm going to upset the flock tonight. But I recognize that some of this stuff will upset you. You're going to see some stuff and hear some stuff tonight that will probably unsettle you. Unsettle you. Sunday's message, to continue my review, I did a message entitled, The Gospel of Me. And I had an intent in that message to actually create a tension. Why? To cause us to wake up. And that's been the tension that I've been trying to create in us since we started our midweek Bible study, to try to, to, try to create a tension in you that would con- cause you to absolutely wake up to the day in which we live. Everything that I've taught for the first, right up to this very moment, and even on the, a few of the Sundays, has been about, it's time to wake up. It's time to be alert. This is not a time to slumber. It's time to get ready. This is not a time to fool around with God kind of thing. This is, not a, this is not a time to just live vicariously on your church attendance. This is not a time to live vicariously on your tithe and offering. This is a time to live a holy, godly lifestyle separated to the Lord, to the King of Kings. No one is here to set that standard of godliness for you. That's something that you work out between you and the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible teaches us that every person works out their own salvation with fear and trembling. God has set a certain standard in my life, but that's a standard he set in my life. I don't hold you to that standard, but I will hold you to the standard that he has set for you. Right? So I tried to create a tension to say it's time to make a choice. I tried to create a tension that said there's no more, there's no, no more time for compromise. You can't play both ends against the middle anymore. No one can. And I know, as my wife said the other night, you're, t- you're, you're preaching to the choir. Guess what? Sometimes the choir needs to hear stuff. Right on? Because there will be many that go into the wide gate that leads to destruction, but there will be few that go into the narrow gate that leads to life. And uh, no more riding the fence. I'm getting ready to show you a video. I need to set the stage for this video. Um, Just as I set the stage for my wife when I had her watch it. Um, First, I want us to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
When you get there, say, I love the Word. Okay. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. Now, my Bible has a, a subtitle there, and it says the great apostasy. Does anybody have a, excuse me, a different subtitle? What's your say? Man of lawlessness. Okay, anybody else back there? Events prior to the Lord's second coming. Anybody else got another subtitle? All right, well, those subtitles pretty much fit the scenario, don't they? So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. How many of you would uh, agree with that in our society today? Is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. That is a part of what's known as the restrainer, that which restraineth, he that restraineth, I think it might say in the King James Version, is also a part of what we will be talking about in our end times study. Verse 8, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is in accordance with it is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of truth, that they might be saved. In verse 11, and this is the pivot point of tonight's video, and what you're going to watch as I once again try to shake us out of slumber. And God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, that's a hard passage of Scripture to reconcile. What? God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So I want you to, you all should be coming with notes, pads, pens, paper, other things, device, whatever. We're going to have a discussion, some questions, top, you know, just talk a little bit when this video is over. And so they're going to dim the lights. You'll still have light to read. And uh, this video, I think, is 20 minutes and 44 seconds. And it's called Strong Delusion.
At this point, we all have to admit that none of this makes any sense. What we're actually seeing is the systematic implementation of the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Corporation of the United States. Every major event is, is a step in the ladder to achieve that end. After World War I, they tried to establish the League of Nations, and that failed. And then after World War II, they established the United Nations and have dumped billions of dollars into it trying to build their new world order. And we're almost there. COVID is just another rung in the ladder, which is why there's a deliberate mixing of all the wordplay, right? I mean, we should stop calling it, you know, quarantine. That's a term designated for people that are verified sick. This is a house arrest mandated by the state. But the world sure took a strange turn thanks to the real threat of pandemics and the disturbing rebranding of protests. We lost the freedom to go to work and earn a living, the freedom to go out and socialize, get a haircut. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. So do I think that the coronavirus is a sign of the end of the world? I don't think so. But I do think this COVID-19 is a drill. It's a simulation. It's a dress rehearsal, if you will, to work out the bugs and get all the nations prepared for this final world government. You should stop calling it, you know, social distancing. There's nothing social about forced isolation. Uh, we should stop saying safer at home when millions of Americans don't have basic necessities adequate to fit their needs. It assumes that everybody's home is equally as safe as the people that are making the statements. And the funny thing is the Lord tried to tell us about this so long ago. The Bible told us that evil men and seducers would wax worse and worse. Things got weirder and scarier. And just when you thought it couldn't get more chaotic, there was still room for more crazy. So anyway, one of my tweets was New York City going broke. And the reason New York City is going broke is um, much of the property in New York City is commercial real estate. For the last three months, we've watched our globalist leaders manipulate us with the Marxist revolutionary technique known as the Hegelian dialectic. It's a very complicated philosophical thing, but it can actually be salted down to about three points. And that is called problem, reaction, solution. The way you change cultures is using problem, reaction, solution. We should stop saying, you know, uh, this is for the greater good, right? When you close the economy, killing millions of businesses that families have worked generations to establish, that's anything but good. And this Bible told us that this was coming all along. New fallout after a bloody weekend of gun violence in America's cities. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp calling in the National Guard after 31 people were shot in Atlanta and an eight-year-old girl was killed. So these globalists, they cause a problem. And then they wait for our reaction. Our reaction as people tends to be the same. Oh no, we're all going to die. Somebody do something. New York City is seeing a spike in crime. Shootings up 130% last month compared to the same time last year. And a shocking video shows a father gunned down crossing the street in broad daylight with his six-year-old daughter as he holds her hand. The mystery of iniquity already doth work even now. We should stop saying this is the new normal. That's just blatant mind control drivel. There's nothing normal about forced isolation, you know, treating your neighbor like they have the plague, breathing your own bodily waste, wearing masks, living in constant fear of contamination. And the funny thing is, is that the Bible says, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that God Himself, not Satan, but God Himself, 
will send strong delusion that they might believe a lie. But in commercial real estate, with everybody zooming away and at home and all this, the question is, who's going to go back to work? Who wants to pay that high price for that commercial real estate? I mean, after all, if the virus is so deadly, why hasn't it wiped out the homeless who don't social distance, wash themselves regularly, let alone, you know, live in or have access to a sterile environment? And then they have the solution, a prepackaged, ready for us, usually involves more government control of our lives. Last year, 1.5 million people died of tuberculosis. Why were you not wearing a mask during the tuberculosis pandemic? You were endangering, you know, public health and safety, along with billions of other uh, people around the globe. So why don't you wear a mask? Could we be witnessing on a global scale a delusion that is sent by God as his form of judgment upon people who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ? Three years ago, November the 8th, 2016, Donald Trump shocked the world by winning the presidency of the United States of America. He won this election by promising to make America great again, to put a stop to the globalist agenda, to close our borders, and to quit paying all the bills for United Nations and NATO. Over the weekend, President Trump continued to downplay the threat of the virus. We have tested almost 40 million people. By thesis, antithesis, synthesis. In so doing, we show cases, 99% of which are totally harmless. I'll tell you why. Because the mainstream media didn't tell you to wear a mask. <laughs> right? And so because, because though 1.5 million people died from tuberculosis, Within the first six days of July, a quarter of a million new coronavirus infections nationwide, and Dr. Anthony Fauci not mincing words. We are still knee deep in the first wave of this. I think that could be possible. There was no tuberculosis pandemic, any more than there's a coronavirus pandemic. Immediately, the globalist billionaire banking and business class turned on him. The press attacked him. Democrat politicians and never-Trump Republicans began trying to impeach him. That went on for about three years. And then once that failed, the next move was coronavirus. All cities count on real estate taxes. So what you're gonna see in the next few years is real estate taxes on your home. My apartments will go up. Nine states are now reporting new records for hospitalizations, including Georgia. And this morning, Atlanta's mayor announcing she, her husband, and one of her children tested positive for the virus. My husband literally has been asleep since Thursday. I, I don't have any idea how we were exposed. Mm -hmm. And we've all been, we've been very careful. Even, you know, my kids have been careful. So I'm, I'm stunned. Could we be right on the precipice of the grand delusion. What you're really participating in is a beta test for AI systems and facial recognition. See, these cameras work best when people are, you know, distance apart. And so it appears that Bill Gates is taking the lead of this billionaire's club move toward a one world order. I'm noticing a trend in the charismatic world, the new apostolic reformation world. All of them are prophesying and having these prophetic dreams that revival is gonna sweep the land. Now they're, now they're actually testing through machine learning how to recognize, you know, a face that's partially covered. 
It's also a way to easily determine who's compliant and who's not. Who does the propaganda work on and who it doesn't? This 4th of July weekend, massive celebrations. Hundreds at this party in Diamond Lake, Michigan. Boats packed in Minnesota's Lake Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. In Atonka and Missouri's Lake of the Ozarks. It comes as COVID-19 cases climb across the nation. 39 states now reporting new increases. The Bible says the world's not getting better, but rather that the world's getting worse, and it will continue to get worse and worse as time goes on. Also at Davos, Gates began working on a Netflix video called Pandemic. If we don't change the trajectory, then I am within two weeks of having our hospitals overrun. I mean, you think about it. I mean, ever since September 11th, 2001, we've been having these crises over and over again. And it seems like every time they get bigger, they are worse and they last longer every time. Now get this, you know, there, there's some ironies that are here, right? A, a society that kills millions of babies a year for convenience has shut itself down to prevent adults from dying. It was released in November of last year. The plot of the movie was a coronavirus that originated in a wet market in China, leaving millions of people dead. Wow, what do you think? Is that a coincidence? People that on the one hand slaughter babies in the womb by the millions are now preaching uh, to the masses about the, the sanctity of human life. It's double speak, double talk. It's the, two, it's the two doctrine policy. One for the initiated, one for the uninitiated. One for the inner circle, another for the masses. This is paving the way for an antichrist to come on the scene. Last fall, October the 18th, 2019, there was a pandemic exercise called Event 201 at Johns Hopkins University. The exercise was conducted by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, and Michael Bloomberg's School of Public Health at Johns Hopkins University. It's like saying, you know, if I violate the stay-at-home order, I can be arrested, but you're letting convicted criminals out of prison so they don't get coronavirus. Could this be a political medium by which a one-world leader emerges? January the 21st through the 24th was the 2020 annual World Economic Forum gathering in Davos. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. And there's a lot we don't know. But there's one thing I do know. Now is not the time for you to be playing games with God. They announced a coronavirus vaccine program with partnerships including Inovio and Moderna and the United States National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which is led by none other than Dr. Tony Fossey, who is now the chief medical advisor to President Trump, who you see on TV in these daily briefings that we're getting. If there's a real pandemic, does it require, you know, uh, faulty virus models, rigged test results, 81% false positives, inaccurate news reporting, staged hospital overruns, manipulated death certificates? He told American people this coronavirus is 10 times worse than seasonal flu, may kill 2 million Americans if we do nothing. It still may kill 200,000 Americans even if we shut down the country and shelter in place. There's no known vaccine, he said, and it's gonna take 12 to 18 months to get a vaccine even ready for trials. And of course, the question is, where did Dr. Fossey get all those numbers? Where did he get the model of the 2 million people and 200,000 people? Well, it turns out that came out of the University of Washington the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, which is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. 
You need to get right with him now. So that all the city is now count on taxes, but if a small business is closing and big commercial real estate starts closing, our cities are going broke. You need to come to Christ. When the government shuts down you know, millions of small businesses but doesn't lay off any government employees, it's not about the health. Bottom line, this novel coronavirus, COVID-19, is a manufactured crisis designed to deceive people to accept a radically different world than you and I are used to living in. This world is going to end. When the state bans dentists from practicing but deems it necessary for abortion clinics to stay open, it's not about your health. This is a nursery rhyme compared to what's actually going to happen. So once again, why did we shut down the economy? I believe we are being deceived and manipulated. And the question is, is why are we being deceived and where are we going with this? Well, according to the prophet Daniel and the apostle Paul, the mystery of iniquity is already at work. We're watching people who have been deceived by Satan because they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and they're changing Christian customs, culture, traditions, and laws all across our land to prepare the way for a future Antichrist. I don't know if he's right around the corner. I don't know when the Antichrist will appear, but nevertheless, the stage is being set. When the, the, the state prevents you from buying seeds for your garden, but allows you to purchase lottery tickets, it's not about your health. This book told you it was going to happen, and you didn't listen. Thesis. Thesis. Antithesis, synthesis. There'll probably be a new conference like the Louvre Accord or the, or the, um, was the, there's a, the Smithsonian Accord and they're gonna rewrite the rules of the game again. They're gonna say, okay, the US dollar, you're toast, you know, and IMF's gonna jump in, Japan's. God warned you, we warned you. Of those who don't want to live in peace and want to destroy this nation, being put above those who have built this nation, those who sustain this nation, and those who love this nation. It is time for us to take a stand against these domestic terrorists. And it's time for us to take a stand against the politicians and sheriffs that stand arm in arm with them. Because this is not their place, it's ours. And if it's to be kept, it's for us to keep. We have watched our leaders transform this COVID-19 coronavirus from being just another virus into a crisis, into an epidemic, into a public health emergency, into a global pandemic. An institution that you know has the ability to destroy all of Earth through you know alleged nuclear warfare should not regulate personal self-defense. And it even seems like the polarization of society is happening where everybody's getting more and more tribal and the world is simply tearing itself to pieces on a social level. The solution is very simple. We follow a declaration of, of liberation declaring every African-American descendant of slavery a political prisoner here in the United States and that was affected by the Portuguese slave trade. And then after that, the United States has a choice. Either A, carve us a piece of land out here, we'll take Texas. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. And let us do our own thing, or 
Don't stop us when we exit this out of here and go somewhere where they will give us our own land to build our own nation. Last night, Wood TV profiled a group that's been at the center of many recent protests across the state. Now the Michigan Attorney General's office is shedding some light on these types of militia groups. We're all ex-military. We're all very disciplined. We're all expert shooters. We don't want to talk no more. We don't want to negotiate. We don't want to sing songs. We don't bring signs to a gunfight. We're an eye for an eye organization. You see, right now what's going on is we got total hypocrisy going on. From the very beginning, it was total hypocrisy. You couldn't go in and get a hip replacement, but you could go in and you could get an abortion. You couldn't go to church, but you could go down to the liquor store and buy you a fifth of liquor. Could it all be a big hoax? This is a trial run at martial law, but it turns out they never needed martial law because most Americans submitted voluntarily. Or could the crisis be real and have been designed? You should ask yourself uh, a couple basic questions. When did you consent from, you know, you creating a government to serve you to you serving the government ruling over you? Another big change that's come out of this is they've made the church irrelevant, or should I say more irrelevant than what we already were. In times past, when America went into a crisis, they would call the people of God to pray. That's not what we're hearing now. We're hearing we need doctors, we need scientists, we need people to tell us how to do this. We don't need God, we don't need churches and prayer. Churches are listed among non-essential businesses. Pastors are not allowed to visit sick members in hospitals or nursing homes. The Christian tradition of handshaking with the right hand of fellowship is forbidden. Churches are not allowed to assemble, which is a violation of our First Amendment right, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion. Not to mention it's also a violation of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, which says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I think that now is the time for Christians to step up and have an answer. Our sermons and our Sunday school classes are forced online, which means that all of our words are being saved and stored in the National Security Agency's new and huge data center in Utah, which as long as we have a government that's okay with Christianity is okay. But what if our new world government is more like China? Then our very own words will be used against us in a criminal trial. So NSA, if you're listening, there it is. And so now the government is offering free money to churches. Never mind the fact that using taxpayer money to prop up churches who are in debt is a violation of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. As our Minister of Music, Derek, often says, with the shekels comes the shackles. Whoever takes government money will ultimately take government regulations. And we're going to try to equip you so that you can have that answer. Catholic Church is not the only ones impacted. Last week I spoke with Baptist Pastor Derek Allen who says his church had to close down again after around 30 worshipers likely caught the virus. If you want to know, you know, who's in charge, just think about who you can and can't criticize. 2020 may be the beginning of the end. Are you ready? Do you know the Lord? Do you know Christ as your Savior? 
There was a great sermon preached in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, and one of the phrases that was said in that sermon was, Save yourself from this untoward generation. And the only way you're going to be saved from the judgment that is coming upon this generation is if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. <laughs> now, you all know that I am not into conspiracy theories. I don't take that route. Uh, I'm skeptical of most of the things that I see online. I've watched a number of this guy's videos. It was the last guy that talked. His name is Spencer Smith. And quite frankly, I'm skeptical of most of the stuff that he presents. Um, but what he did in putting this video together spoke on so many different levels uh, that I actually contacted him today and spoke with him about permission to show this video tonight. And he gave me permission uh, to do that. Um, and again, why, why would I do that? Because I'm trying to shake us out of our slumber there's no reason for any of us to be scared unless you don't have Jesus. There's no reason for any of us to be skittish or worried about any of this unless you don't trust in the Jesus that you say you have. Um, my wife said to me the uh, other day, she said, Rick, please don't say anything that might get you put in jail. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> because she said, what would I do without you? And what would our church do without you? And <laughs> I said, well, I won't say anything with the thought, oh, maybe this will get me put in jail. You know, I'm not stupid. But I also said something else to her, maybe today or yesterday. I said, uh, I'm Protestant. In, inside uh, the word Protestant is the word protest. And in fact, that's where the word came from. Those who stood up against the church, the Catholic church specifically, Roman Catholicism, the Church of England, uh, basically the church that was run by the state, they protested against it and then were ultimately called Protestants. I don't know if you know that's where it came from. So there comes a point where we have to realize how much of what we're facing could be the grand delusion. How much of it might be accurate? Even if it's just 10% of what you just saw. It should be enough to shake the cobwebs out of your head. It's shaking the cobwebs out of mine. And so does that mean I'm going to protest? No, you will probably never, ever see Pastor Rick Lopez marching up and down the street with a sign in his hand. Uh, don't have a mandate or calling upon my life to have a political agenda when I speak and when I preach. But am I going to stand up against 
the forces that might try to shut the church down. Yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time. At whatever cost, I think it's time. We've done everything that we could to operate honorably and to do so in such a way as to not bring reproach to Jesus Christ, to not bring reproach to His church, to not stand in rebellion or in protest to our civic government. In fact, we've done everything that we can to comply with the civic government. And I've had a sense in my heart that what we've experienced so far, this resonated with me because it used the phrase dress rehearsal for that which is to come. And I've said to Diane and I've said to others, early on, early on in this, that the steps that it took uh, the powers that be, if that's the globalist, whoever, to get us to where we are today, when this thing goes south again, they're not going to start back there at point A to get us to the steps again. They're going to start up here very close to just a few steps within where we're at right now and take us multiple steps beyond. And if it was a dress rehearsal, they have discovered that 90% of everyone will follow along quietly, which reminds me of the Holocaust and Jews that blindly got into cattle cars to be taken away. Is there a time to take a stand? Is there a way to take a stand in such a way as to still bring glory and honor to God and not bring reproach to Jesus Christ who was not a protester? He was not a Protestant. Okay? uh, That came along afterwards. And so often I've watched Jesus who was all about peace, peace, peace. But yet, you know what? He didn't have no trouble drawing a line in the sand and saying it's either here or here. But watch out should you pick there. And so I wanted to just share my heart with you on this. And did I show you this video so that you walked away going, everything that you saw tonight was absolute truth. This is the only absolute truth. Okay? Did I feel that most, 90% plus of what was spoken in that video, I believe. I do. But what was it there for? Because once again... I'm going to take every opportunity I can to shake you into life, to shake you up. Uh, This may be the last time that I do it to this degree. And you might say, why? Well, Miss Diane and I are going on vacation for two weeks. (laughs) And so for two weeks, you get to hear somebody else. And when I come back... We're actually going to open up the book of Revelation and begin to study the book of Revelation, okay? And I will be able to stand before my God and say that I did everything that I knew to do to wake people up, to shake people out of their slumber. I've said it before that if anybody goes to hell, they're going to go over my dead body because as a pastor, I stand accountable for what you know. And you as sheep 
will respond to what's happening in society based on what you know. And so I'm going to share the truth as I feel God has revealed it to me, and you can receive it if you want, and if you don't want to receive it, that's okay too. You won't be judged by me in any way, shape, or manner. And so I would like to take an opportunity to field any comments or questions that you may have at this point. And I do that at great risk, I suppose. Somebody to help me with a microphone here. Cole, could you help me out, sir? The microphone's actually sitting up here on the uh, camera uh, stand. We're going to let, um, just take it to, uh, it's not on there. I'll do my best to field the question. If I don't know the answer, I'll tell you. I don't know the answer, but I'll get it. Okay? So go ahead. Larry, you had a question? Not so much a question, but since you said... Uh, Speak up nice. Since you said maybe a statement, I'd like to make a statement. Um, I still can't hear him. I'm sorry. It's not you. He has, he has all the volume control he needs right back there, so I'll let you know if I can hear you well or not. You don't Check. Do, oh, <laughs> just talk to me. How's that? You, you have a check for me? Is that what you said? You had a check for me. I hear you now, brother. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, first of all, I, I've always been known to be a person that's straight up about everything. If I think something, I say it, and I'm usually pretty thoughtful before I do. Um, and I tell people, never ask me what I think unless they really want to know. But the one thing that I've been noticing, and I've been following this since the beginning also, and I delve deep into a lot of different videos, a lot of things that people are doing, and so I can sort things out. I'm not going to say that anybody should believe or not believe what they're seeing or hearing. But I believe that God wants us, and I think this is, partially what this video was saying, is that we need to at least step back and look at the possibilities. Yeah. At least look at the possibilities before you decide, no, this, this person is just totally outright wrong or yeah. he's totally outright right. Look at what's really happening. Those guys made some very, very good points. Right. You know, can't go to church, but... Uh, or, or go to a hospital for a surgery, but you can go have an abortion and stuff like that. You know, right. those, yeah. those are the kind of things a lot of people out there are not looking at. Right. So um, that's just that's, Thank that's you, Larry. my thoughts. Thank you very much. Anybody else have a question on what we've talked about since starting our midweek uh, journey or any comments for tonight? Yes, right up here. So could you explain how he said God himself will send a strong delusion? Can I explain how God will send a strong yeah, delusion? Explain what that scripture means. Okay. Well, I, as I said, I'll do my best. God will send them strong delusion. What's the word delusion mean? I got nothing prepared, so we're going to march through it together. Somebody, I got a device right here. Never mind.
There it is. How he does it, I don't have any clue. And uh, a false belief or a false opinion, delusion. If I go to to mislead the mind or judgment of someone. And how? I don't know how. The best way that I can explain it is that God is a, in, in terms of looking at God's methodology on how he has operated in the management of mankind, he has always sifted down to the elect, to the true believer. If you look at uh, Noah, sifted down to just a small family, and yet the message was out there for quite some time while the ark was being built. If you look down at, uh, in Lot's time, message was sent out and God sifted. If you look even into the thousand-year millennial reign, where toward the end of it, Satan is loosed from his fetters, to go deceive as many others as he can possibly deceive. Now, I don't know why God does that. I can't, other than I can only give you my opinion, is that it's only the elect. It's only the true, blue, dyed-in-the-wool, solid believer in Jesus Christ who's going to make it. It's not going to be the watered down. It's not going to be those who think they have a religion. So it's a part of... It's also a part of God's grace that he puts people in a position to either accept him or to reject him, and that's a part of it. If you'll remember, even when the bowls of wrath are being poured out, and God still gave men opportunity to repent that they still cursed God. Basically, once again, God giving another opportunity to repent and get it right, but he's making mankind will never be able to burn in hell and say, I never got a chance. Now, I don't know why this is a difficult passage of Scripture, but clearly it says that God will send a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. I can't give you a better answer. It does fit with the methods of God as I look over how he has operated in the management of mankind many times throughout history and even to the end of the thousand millennia. I mean, a question ought to be, why in the world would God release Satan at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign? What's up with that? Right? I don't know. wish I did. Sorry I couldn't give you a better answer. Yes, back over here, Chuck. Microphone's coming. A comment, if you will. Do you suppose God talks in the book of Revelation about the seven churches? And I can't remember which church it is that he says is lukewarm. It's, I think it's the church of Pergamum, but I'm not sure of that. Now, in relationship to the delusion, it's kind of like Jesus separating the sheep and the goats. I think 
there's a time is going to come when you have to make a decision. Mm -hmm. You will be forced to make a decision. We will be forced to make a decision. Absolutely. And when that time comes, perhaps the delusion is the moment of reckoning. Perhaps. Right. Because at that time, you're going to go left or you're going to go right. That's right. There's going to be no lukewarm. Yep. As much as in equal parts, God is a God of mercy, but he's also a God of judgment. And there are equal parts of who God is. It's hard to see those because if it could be given to you as an example of a circle, and in this circle we would see love. God is love. And then all of a sudden another circle rolls out from behind it, and it says mercy. And then another circle rolls out behind it, and it says justice. But when they all roll together, all you see is God because they are all equally God. As much as God is love, he's also the God of judgment. He's also the God of justice. He's also the God of mercy. He's also the God of blessing. He's also the God of wrath. And he's equally all those because he's perfect in every way. So any one of those attributes are perfect in him. And I think it is a part of God's judgment to separate. We see it in the Bible. He's going to separate the sheep from the goat. He's going to separate the, the, the wheat from the tares from the wheat. Uh, and it's, yeah, we'll be, it's, it is a part of God's judgment whether we like to look at it or not. And, and Naomi, that may also be a part of the answer. It's, maybe it's a part of God's judgment against this this untoward, corrupt generation. Yes, ma'am. Up front, wait, let's get the mic. I want everybody to hear, plus we're also live streaming, so we want that out there. Okay, the one thing you didn't tell them that I said was I said, don't tell them that I said that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um, well, since when have I been listening to you? No, you don't listen to me. You know, I looked up and um, the dictionary here too, and it, and it uh, classifies delusion as a, a persistent false belief regarding something um, that is maintained despite indisputable evidence to the contrary. So I think that's part of the. Go ahead and read it again more slowly. Okay, a, a persistent false belief regarding something that is maintained despite indisputable evidence to the contrary. Okay. So that's, that, that is the word delusion. So this guy is not saying this is the grand delusion. He's saying, is this? He's saying, is, the, yeah, exactly. is this the grand delusion? Is this and it? Could it be? Thing that, this is the thing that is separating people right now. This right. is why we're fighting over the master, the no mass. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not trying to say that you know they're deluded and I'm not. Although that's kind of what I think, but what I, <laughs> but no, I mean, people are, see, they don't see, you can't buy seeds to plant a vegetable garden, you know, but you can buy a fifth of Jack Daniels, you know, I and mean, there's no sense to right. the rules. And, and so that's kind of what is making people who haven't swallowed the delusion so upset about the whole thing. 
And then there are other groups of people that are like, what is wrong with you? We are all going to die if you don't put your mask on. You know, that's kind of the battle that we're in right now yes. as, a, as people. Yep. You know, when I saw this the other day and when I've seen some other things, it, it doesn't make me scared. It can make you fearful, but for, uh, you know, I'm 62 years old, and I've been a Christian for more than 30 years, all in. So in my 30 years, we've been saying that he who endures to the end will be saved. Okay, we may be at the door of endure, and we don't want to because, you know, my gosh, it was so comfortable last year. You know, um, we have to stay close enough to God to hear him speak. That has always been my mantra because I believe that he will tell us what we need to do when we need to do it. Right. But if you are so wrapped up in the news or whatever your thing is, you're not going to hear him. Right. So that's number one. You've got to stay close enough to God so that you can hear him speak. Yes. He, is, he has spoken to me lots of times, and I believe that he will. I keep remembering... Psalms 37.5 says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. Right. God is not going to abandon his people. No. And so that our hope is there, right? We have to remember that, that we, our hope is in Christ. And, you know, we don't know, do we fight? <laughs> but the, on the, um, when Jesus preached uh, the Beatitudes, he told us to be peacemakers, you know. So there's confusion even in the church as far as what do we do? What do we right. do with this? And right. we, we look to our leaders to tell us what to do. And uh, I think it's time for us to um, grow up. And we're going to have to endure some things. We're yes. just going to have to. We're going to have to. And if we have been strong then we, we're going to, you know, we, then, then we're, at, we're prepared, even though we don't think we are. Right. Because not, God is not going to leave us unprepared. Right. You know, just like he, you know, just like when the children of Israel, they were slaves. They were in slavery. I mean, they were mistreated. Um, when the angel of death came through, they were, he told them how to prepare, and they were protected. And so our hope and our faith is in God and in the fact that he's not going to leave us or forsake us. Right. But, yeah, we're, you know, it's time um, for us to realize that all the things we've been saying, he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's, it may be time to endure. It may and be we time. can't be crybabies about it. We have to, God yeah. to be strong, and we've got to help those that are weak among us. I mean, we're called to do all these things. Um, and we can't, uh, we can't get pulled off into fear. Right. Well, I, I want to I develop tough sheep that can stand in the face of trouble and opposition, even deception, because the enemy is going to come in in this, in this time at some point along the way, I don't know when, and nobody here is putting a date on anything or a timeline on anything. I'm just saying I believe that we are seeing more signs of the end of time now in real life, technicolor, that we've never seen before like right now. 
There's going to be a whole lot of believers, I pray not any of y'all, that are going to believe a lie. And they're going to follow after a false messiah. And especially if truth is not told, regardless of the cost. Did you have something? Yep, mic up front, please. Okay, delusion sounds like false evidence appearing real. And we see that all around us. People are believing things that are not true. There, there's angst, and there's, which brings anger and division. And uh, delusion sounds like false evidence appearing real. Now, you either latch on to that, right. or you turn that off, turn your TV off, love one another, and put your eyes on Jesus. And, and that's the only way we're not going to be eating up that, that delusion. Right. Our eyes have to be on Jesus and the reason we're here. Right. We're the church. This is our day. Right and we need to latch on to that. And uh, it'll protect us from being in fear and being um, submitted to that the delusion, I, I believe. Sure. Uh, and, I've, and, and over the years that I've been here, and even all the years prior to coming here, I've taught, taught you all three things specifically. What is it, Mindy? Are you test huh? Are you gonna test no, I'm going to test you. <laughs> Don't you get your book out. Okay. What is it? What do we got to do? Keep your nose in the book. Keep your knees bent to heaven. And keep your body in the house of God. I'm telling you, if you will become radical about that, you'll survive every test, every trial, every trouble. You will be able to make it through no matter what happens in the end times. And there's way more that we're going to learn about this in two weeks. We have a hand in the back. Yes. When I was uh, looking up delusion, it said uh, what things can cause delusions, and I just uh, checked that out a minute. And one of the things that can help us to believe in delusions, that they said, was isolation. Yeah. And that made me think about the fact that I can't remember if it was the video or you said something about this being, uh, you know, a test run for those those people like Bill Gates yeah. and stuff to see who will believe it and who won't. Yeah. They create a problem. They see the response. Then they present a solution based on the response. And if you all look at this just in the grand scheme of things, if they created a problem called COVID-19, it's pretty clear to see what the response was. And people willingly did what they were told. Churches did what they were told. So they know now how to establish a solution, and what will they do next? They will create an additional problem. And all of this, my friends, I believe this part, whether or not all that was 100%, I do know this. The stage is set for the entry of the Antichrist on the landscape, without a doubt. 
And you might say, well, thank God we're not going to be here for that. I beg to differ with you. That's all I'm going to say about it tonight. Uh, right up here. Yeah, he'll come back in two weeks. <laughs> nice one, Mike. We have to remember that we are equipped. We are. And uh, I've always been uh, put on your armor, you know. I used to say it like, lightly and sometimes dramatically and now I have so much more to the armor and uh, I'm putting it on and I have so much more equipment I have so much more power and I'd like everybody to know that they have all these parts of God's armor for us, and uh, it's a battle because the world is coming at us, trying to, de to delude us, and uh, with that armor, we can face it, and um, every day I find that I share that armor with somebody that is desperate and somebody that is lost and gives them hope gives them strength, and uh, anyway, I'm excited about that armor, and uh, yes. I put it on and straighten it a lot all day long and everywhere, so yeah. we've got it. We've got it. Amen. I have to agree with you there. Uh, ministers, everyone I run, in, run into, they say, whoa, what do, you, what do you think about what's happening? Where are you at with all this stuff? And I'm like, I have never been more exhilarated in all of my life. And that's, that's just the absolute truth. There's something has risen up inside of me uh, that I've never experienced before in this enthusiasm for the things of God. And uh, I think it's a recognition of what God is doing in the land. You have something back there, Steve? Yeah? So I'm sitting back here in this uh, delusion uh, can we be uh, can we be deceived? Absolutely. Uh, it says here in, in uh, Matthew twenty four twenty four, there shall arise false Christs, false prophets, and they shall grow, uh, show great signs and wonders, so that if it were possible, they should deceive the, even the very elect. Yep. So we have to we have to stand. Believe what you believe. Stand on it. And I mean stand. The Bible tells us to stand. Right. And continue standing. So I just, I just heard the Lord speak that to me. Is even the very elect. Even the very elect. Wow. Even the very elect could be deceived. Because the Antichrist will come in as the Messiah. He's a false Messiah, but he will replicate nearly everything that looks like the real Messiah. And those who have lost touch with the church, with their Christianity, and have a watered-down opinion of God and in every other aspect are going to believe in the new Messiah. It literally says that He will perform signs and wonders and miracles. And those will look like the same signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus Christ did on planet Earth. Why? To deceive, if possible, even 
the very elect, which once again, I, I, I put it off as part of God's grand scheme to sift even down to the very salt of the earth. That's been his method all along. It's about 20, uh, 21, 23 after, uh, and so I would like to uh, go ahead and wrap it up tonight. If you have not gotten this book, I want to encourage you to get a copy of this book and read it. Uh, everything that I'm teaching is not necessarily coming from this book. I have years of study on end times, and I have a personal conviction about, about stuff. In other words, the things that I have to teach about end times are not stuff that's just been told me all my life. That came from a diligent search on my own to say, God, you've got to put something in me because you've put me accountable for the souls of people. So I'm not preaching from this book, although it is inspiring me tremendously. And over and over again, God's timing on when things are presented to me is off the wall. I, I, Miss Connie, I just can't even put my head wrapped around sometimes the way God orchestrates stuff. I, I uh, you know, in my audio book uh, thing, I can actually put books as a wish list. Eh, maybe I'll get that down the road. And I, lo- I liked the cover. When I looked at it, I liked the cover. And I especially liked the fact that it said, understanding the end times through the eyes of Hebrew prophets, which all of you all know, that really spoke to me. So I put it in my wish list. It was in my wish list probably eight months, nine months, until around February, March. I said, well, I think I'll read that book now. Yeah, right. It was just God saying, now is the time. So I really, I want to encourage you, you, you need to get this book. We have it available. Miss Corey can help you out with that. And um, it, it's important to what we're doing right now. Uh, and I'm also reading another one right now. It's, it's called, I'm Not Afraid of the Antichrist. <laughs> That's a good one too, let me just say. Um, let's pray together, shall we? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then will I hear their prayers, then will I forgive their sins. Then will I heal their land. Once again, that passage of Scripture is just not my hobby horse. Just like keep your nose in the book, your knees bent to heaven, and your body in the house of God. I'm waiting to see a church that will have a people that humble themselves and pray. Seek the face of the Lord. Truly repent of their sins. I wonder if that has passed us. And now we are in the last days. 
where judgment is upon the face of the earth. Holy Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, you've taken these last three Wednesdays and a couple of Sundays to kind of throw cold water in our face, so to speak, say, wake up, children, wake up, children, wake up, children. I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon. Wake up, beloved. Get up from your slumber, my kids. Walk in the way that is pleasing to the Lord. Live a true life. Be real. Be 100% for me, the Lord would say. Don't withhold any part of your life from me, but be 100% to the best of your human ability, and I will, I will support it and help you through my great Holy Spirit, says the Lord. And Father, as we leave this place tonight, even a little bit sobered, that's okay. We need to be sobered. We need to be alert. We need to be awake. We need to be diligent. We need to be watching. We need to be calling upon you. For you said you would, you would return when they begin to cry out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so I look to the east and say, Come, Lord Jesus, come. And I also look to your sheep and I say, Please, Lord Jesus, let me not lose a single one of them on your behalf. Help me to speak the truth in love and strong when I need to be strong and soft when I need to be soft. Open our hearts to that truth that we may march together in rhythm, that we may truly not just be another church on the landscape, but that we can actually be a church that ushers in the coming of the Lord, that we could truly be the bride of Christ with our garments washed whiter than snow in the blood of the Lamb. And may we be a church of people that although all ten of the virgins fell asleep, at least five of them were not unprepared when you heralded the call at the midnight hour. And may that be the case for us as well. Of course, others, Lord. Of course, of course, of course. But God, you've given me charge over this flock, in this place. And that's where my focus and my attention lies, God. That we not be deceived. That we not be deluded. Though we have family members, though we have relatives, though we have friends that are completely on the opposite side of the fence, may we stand our ground on the holy word of God, which is holy ground, and not be shaken, and not be moved, and not be fearful, and not waffle, and not compromise. But in that process of being Protestant, Help us to do it exuding the love of Christ. For judgment belongs to you, Lord, not to us. Ours is to love and to, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to spread the truth 
to the best of our abilities. So I'm asking you, Lord, that all of those around us, whether they are active participants in this church or just connected to us in some way, shape, or manner, that they receive a revelation of their need for you, Lord God. That something sparks inside of their heart that says, I need a Savior. I need Jesus. I know somebody that goes to a church that knows Jesus. I'll call them. Maybe they can help me. And that we would be ready to help. We'd be ready to give a defense to why we believe what we believe. That we'd be ready and equipped and prepared and armed to endure to the end. Dear Father, I humbly come before you. And I ask for your grace upon us in these days ahead. Help us, Lord God, that if things begin to look like they're beginning to change for the better, that we not get lulled into a false sense of security. But that we keep ever alert and keep our eyes open and keep our lampstands filled with oil and prepared. Though we'll have moments of slumber, though we'll have moments of weariness, we will not, we will not miss your call when the bridegroom shows up. And I thank you for that, Lord. I speak a blessing on each one of my brothers and sisters now, and I pray, Father, that your hand go with them in all that they do. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you. Have an awesome uh, evening, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday morning. Many of you will see me tomorrow morning at 714, so I hope you're still connecting in with that. Call you blessed.